Hey guys, what's up, and welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. My name is Courtney Bishop. This is episode 16, an interview with Taylor Gone. Taylor competed in wrestling from fourth grade all the way through college, so we really dive into the lessons learned in that sport, like dedication, discipline, and drive, and how his outlook was shaped by wrestling for his current journey as a strongman athlete. We talk a lot about injuries and the important role that they play in an athletic career. And then we dive all the way into strength training, how he made that transition, a little bit of history about the sport of strongman, how you prep for those types of shows, and then how to coach from the losing mindset to the winning mindset, really understanding how to push past barriers and overcome. Without further ado, enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Taylor. Thank you. Welcome. Um, for listeners, Taylor and I have been friends for the past, like, I don't know, five, five years. years. Yeah. yeah. And um, we both kind of have similar stories. Both had super athletic backgrounds. Both got into coaching. And so many conversations we've had over the years have been along the lines of these topics. And so I thought hey, he should come on the podcast and tell listeners about his story. Um, One thing I love about this podcast is just like asking people, you know, what got them into their passion and just seeing their face light up when they talk about it. Because like a lot of people, I think, live lifestyles that they just do a job because they like it makes them money, but they're not entirely happy with it. And it's, you know, you talk to those people and they tell you about what they do, but they they sound down. And when you talk to someone that actually gives a shit about what they're doing, mm-hmm. you can see, you know, their behavior and how they pre- present themselves is different. So, yeah, I want to talk about what lights you up. What lights me up. So, I want to talk about your background as an athlete, how that led to you getting into coaching, Um, you know, some of your favorite things about being an athlete, some challenges you may have faced that, you know, things that took you a long time to learn that you struggled with, Mm -hmm. that listeners who possibly might be having that struggle could help them, you know, plow through that hurdle without all of the uh, trial and error that (laughs) that you may have gone through. Um, So let's, let's dive in a little bit. Tell me about when you got into wrestling? Um, so, I think fourth grade was when I started competing. Okay. And at the time, it was just like, this is what my parents signed me up for. Mm. That's what we did. Okay. Um, my dad was uh, a co- the coach in the town that we lived at the time, so um, this is where I was every weekend anyways, and finally I got old enough where he was like, hey, you want to you're already here anyways, you want to do this? Yeah. So sure, let's go. So. Did you um, have any other, like, sport experience, or that was, like, the first sport I really liked football. 
Okay. Just, like, when I was a really little kid, like, football was, like, what I thought I was going to be, you know. Yeah, go after play it. for the Patriots or something. Or, <laughs> um, but just did not like it and wasn't very good at it. Mm. Didn't really have the patience to yeah. learn it when I was spending so much time wrestling. Okay. And, um, yeah, I just didn't didn't really fall like in love with it like I did wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what like, uh, so obviously you were kind of in that environment, like your dad was coaching it, you were around it all the time, so you were seeing it and you thought, hey, this might be something that I like. What about wrestling stuck out to you more that really like pulled you in compared to football? That I was the only one responsible. Mm, you could determine the outcome rather than being like a team yeah. sport. Yeah, I, I really felt that like it wasn't like all the time or anything, but I just like playing football. I felt like, you know, I'd pour my heart and soul into the game and then, you know, half the athletes on the team would just be like there because whatever, it was something fun to do. Yeah. And, you know, we, we'd lose or whatever I you know a play wouldn't get made that I tried really hard on and it was just like yeah why? it was frustrating because you gave a shit yeah and maybe other people didn't as much and it's yeah. like why am I trying so hard if you're not gonna at least match the effort you mm-hmm. know um so you got into wrestling in fourth grade and then I I'm not super familiar with wrestling so was that like through a club or yeah, they actually have, um, like, off-season federation stuff going on all the time mm-hmm. where you can pretty much find a tournament every weekend of the year. Okay. Um, whether it's through, like, unaffili- unaffiliated with school stuff mm. or the school stuff, just like other sports. And then um, once you get to middle school, is that when you started wrestling for school or does yeah. it start in high school? Yeah, but the weird thing is, is that middle, like the school affili- affiliated middle school wrestling is the least competitive, mm. and so it's kind of become a trend to like skip that and just wrestle all year round in the different like federations yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Softball was similar. It's like you could play for the school, but if you wanted to be amongst really good competition, you're going to go play for a travel ball team right. or something where people are maybe paying to play and right. they're investing in their skills all the time. So mm-hmm. you're around like people who are going to make you better. Right. Uh, I mean, you've, you, so I'm going to jump ahead. You've wrestled all the way up to college. So I'm curious from fourth grade to college, did you have experiences where you were just like, I'm so sick of wrestling. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I hated it for a long, long time. Like, I probably didn't start liking it until, like, honestly, like, 10th grade. Really? Just because you get your ass beat for so long. Yeah. And um, I was pretty fortunate to have, at the the time, I didn't think I was fortunate, but I'm fortunate to have had a coach who was, like, you know, I don't care how bad it hurts, you're going to wrestle with the high schoolers today, even though you're mm-hmm. in sixth grade. And, yeah. Um, so that helped a lot. And it's, it's just a, it's not like tougher than any sport necessarily, because I 
think that the toughness is all about how hard the athlete takes it. Yeah. Right? Right. But um, since it is a one-on-one physical sport, you're basically naked <laughs> in front of an entire crowd of people at yeah. a young, developing, self-conscious age, it's a very hard sport to, mm. for some people anyways, to, you know, start winning and... Yeah. You gotta kind of pay your dues in that respect. That's a really good point. Like, humbling, maybe, is the right word? Because you're not only trying to be good at wrestling physically, but then you're having to come over, er, overcome. You don't even know what they are. Yeah. And just like you're self conscious, but you don't really understand why, and you're dealing with that every time you perform, or even just showing up to practice can be uh, a big step for some people. Um. I just asked because, you know, I played softball for a long time, too, and I remember, like, growing up and having periods of time where, you know, you would love the sport and then you would hate it because <laughs> it takes up so much time. Because yeah, you said Saturday, you did it all year round, right? Yeah, we, it would be – and it, this kind of got to the point where it was a little unhealthy, but mm. I, I'm thankful for it because of who I am today. But, um, you know, it would be – we just get done with the state tournament, and it was, okay, we're going to practice tomorrow mm. and planning out. So in, so high school season is from early November through early March. Okay. And um, so it's a really, really long season, really demanding, and uh, we would get 100 matches in throughout the off season with wow. practicing three times a week. Okay. So just pretty much no off season. Wow. With it. Yeah. And I hated it so much. So so off. I feel like I hated it more than I loved it. Well, <laughs> yeah, because I don't know about you, but I remember like especially in high school, you see your friends like going out and doing stuff on the weekends, mm-hmm. and like even social activities in school. Like I remember, I think it was eighth grade. I had a. Um, homecoming dance or something and it I had a softball tournament so I either had to choose between like being there or Mm -hmm. like we also had an end of the year celebration Mm -hmm. to go to Cedar Point but I had a softball tournament that weekend too Mm -hmm. and so my parents were like okay pick which one do you want to miss and I was Mm -hmm. like well they're both like exciting things to celebrate end of middle school but I remember like for the social reasons having to miss out on those certain, um, you know, big milestones, if you will, definitely was frustrating. But I think like you were alluding to, you hate it at the time, but then you see how it kind of developed. You see how it developed your character and taught you like a discipline and what happens when you do stick to something and commit for a long period of time. That's a very simple, like when you're a kid, you get to learn off these very simple scenarios and mm-hmm. then in real life you you know you don't might necessarily like directly remember that but you make a connection there and you're like you, oh. know, you make the decision to choose the thing that's going to better yourself and bring you towards your goals rather than the fun comfortable thing you know? yeah exactly so it definitely in the moment may suck but like you're looking out for your future self so right. stick with it yeah. <laughs> so then you get to high school. You wrestled all throughout high school for the high school? Yep. Okay. And then what did the process look like 
um, getting to college? Were you like recruited or were you a walk on? No, so it was, it was Division Three. It was a small um, Christian college. Okay. And um, I had known the coach from going to his camps. It's like summer camp since I was a little kid. Okay. Uh, and he was just someone that I wanted to wrestle for. Gotcha. So, like, you had a good relationship with him. Yeah. You felt comfortable, trusted his guidance. Mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I did not like the school at all. I'm not religious. Okay. But he was enough to pull me there. Yeah. And then in high school, was there any lessons in wrestling that you feel like really stood out to you? Yeah, there were a lot. I mean, like, I, I want to ask, like, in relation to all of your athletic endeavors, which we'll get into more down the road with, like, you know, lifting and strongman, but, like, anything for, specific from wrestling that you feel like it really taught you? That's this. just really... Okay, so... Um, the pushing through that pain barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, that was... That's super important for what I do now. Mm-hmm. And learning that lesson very early on that your body and your mind can go to different levels, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, once you kind of shut your mind off, you can go a lot further with your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've you've been there before. Yeah. Um, So that was really important for me to learn that lesson really early on and then just to have it continually beat into me Mm. (laughs) until I was done wrestling. Through wrestling, Yeah. yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, and then I know that you were well, kind of... that's a very detrimental lesson. Oh. Because I pushed myself way too hard. Yes. <laughs> and didn't know when to turn it off. That's a really good point that I kind of want to dive into is like, you know, you can, your body is stronger than you think. Like right. sometimes you have to push back, push past those mental limits that you think you have. Mm-hmm. But there's also like the respect of knowing how to listen to your body. Don't turn it off, right? Yeah. So <laughs> do you think that that's something you've gotten better with? I do. Better yeah. at with age and experience um, and training? I think, yes, I have gotten better at that, but better at that is dependent on the goal, right? Mm. So, like, if my goal is to just go in there and burn calories and get rid of my emotions, like, who cares? Yeah. Put tape on it and get over it, right? Right. But if my goal is to compete and I have longevity goals and stuff like that, mm. then Scale back that a little. time is safe for the competing time. I see. Um, speaking, I guess, did you have any injuries in wrestling? Not, not really any serious injuries. I've had some, like, nothing I couldn't wrestle through. Okay. I've had, like, broken ribs and fingers and toes and stuff, but okay. nothing that, like, put me out. But I think even having, like, those, you know, minor, if you will, injuries at least gives you um, that exposure and that experience to know, like, how... Because there's not only the physical side of getting injured, but there's a mental side to it of overcoming injury too. So I think just having a little bit of, you know, wetting your feet and like, oh, this is how I get past that type of um, hurdle, I guess. And wrestling is still a team sport. So there was times where it was like, I had a team depending on me to go out there and do my job and everything fucking hurt and was nearly broken. And, but you have to overcome that because Mm. There's something bigger than you. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Um, I want to dive in further to like injuries, but I'll wait till we talk more about strongman because I okay. I want to ask about. Um, it seems like you were a pretty well decorated wrestler in high school. I know you said you were state runner up, I believe, mm-hmm. and then you went to nationals in high school. Um, nationals. There's so many different national tournaments okay. that you can go to, but um, um, I competed in probably over 100 different national tournaments during nice. my high school career. And do you feel like um, the road to get there, was it like, would you say strenuous or, you know, what what did that look like exactly? Do you feel like it was very hard to achieve or... Um, I mean, you were probably pushing yourself at that point in time because yeah, you didn't it, have I all mean, the experience you have now. It, yeah, I tra- like I said, I trained at least on the wrestling mat um, five to six days a week. Some two to three of those days were two a days for four months out of the year. Okay. And the rest of the year was on the mat three days a week in the weight room three to four days a week and also competing throughout the entire time so yeah it was just I didn't really know any different right yeah yeah that's true I know it's funny growing up an athlete you don't know what life is like outside of that and it was was preached to me like one of my heroes one of his famous quotes he's a I don't know if you've heard of Dan Gable Mm -mm. uh, just famous wrestling coach in America but um, he's like, yeah, if you want to be a good athlete, you need to, you have three things in life. There's social life, uh, your educational life, and your athletic life. And you can only be good at two of those things or average at all three. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, you know, putting the wrestler side along with that quote, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be the worst at social life. <laughs> so that I'm going to be the best at these two things. Yes. And, you know, it was only average at school, so it didn't really make sense. I don't really believe in that quote anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe at one point it kind of resonated, and then yeah, you're like, was, oh, yeah. doesn't work now. <laughs> Do you, uh, let's see, after you graduated high school, then did you say you walked on to the school or to um, the college? It's a little, Aquinas is D3, right? Yeah. So, you know, recruiting's Uh, a little bit weirder. It's not like we talked and, you know, I was recruited. Yeah, they work out um, ways to get athletes into the school without athletic scholarship. Right. Yeah. Um, (coughs) How long did you wrestle in college? I was only there for, like, a year and a half, and then I I had an injury shortly into the first year. Mm-hmm. And then it just got to the point where it's too much, and that's also when I started lifting, started becoming more appealing than the wrestling, and hmm. I just started to. Okay, because I was curious if you had gotten into lifting before you like really dove in. Like, did you do yeah. it simultaneously while wrestling? And you said you did. Yeah, so it was actually originally supposed to be a tool for me to fill out the heavyweight weight class. Okay. Because when I went to college I was only like 210 pounds okay I needed you know to contend against some of these guys I needed to be like 240 okay at least but the top end of the weight class is 285 okay so lifting was 
what was prescribed to me by my coaches to for that off season from high school to college. Okay. And I just fucking loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What made? What drew you to lifting then more than wrestling at that point? Felt better on my body. Felt like I was better at it without having to like. Because like we just said, like I didn't really know any different, right? So mm-hmm. like this was kind of the first time where I was like oh, this is something cool that I like that mm. I'm choosing for myself. And, like, yeah. it was, like, kind of made me realize, like, yeah, wrestling isn't that fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, maybe it was when it, you were younger. Yeah, no, it definitely has its appeal. But at the time, you know, as a developing young man, the first time you get that pump and the first time yeah. you take the pre-workout and the first time you get yeah. a bench press PR and all that stuff is just so addicting yeah absolutely just the feeling of being strong mm-hmm. you know pressing something overhead or Seeing 10 pounds go on week after week yeah like, what? the growth is addicting <laughs> yeah. it's just like oh i can i can make so much progress and then you're always in the gym and you know now you want to eat the right things to yep. make the gym sessions go better and then you want to sleep better it's almost like a it's almost kind of like a tricky rabbit hole that kind of sucks you in because mm-hmm. you get so far in and you just keep oh, well, now I can get my deadlift better, and what what's next to get everything bigger and stronger, and yeah. what's the next step after that, and then you're kind of like, oh, and now I'm too far in where it's like, no, can't stop back. now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone uh, said it to me before, like, once you get bit by the iron bug, there's no turning back, no, and I was like, <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, even, you, I mean, with your experience, you can't stay away from it really. Yeah. Like, like I can I, see you slowly getting more and more back into it. And yeah, I yeah I competed. There will be one day where you're like, yeah, I want to hit a squat PR. I know. <laughs> well, I like deep in my gut, I always said, even when I got injured, like I'm gonna squat heavy again someday. It's it's I just mean, timing. You can't let that weight beat you, especially no. when you see what people are capable of these days. So. Yeah, it's yeah. I think like kind of jumping back to injury but I think one thing it teaches you is like to yes there is that you know threshold you can surpass mind over matter kind of thing but Mm -hmm. you also need to respect that and not go there all the time because like I mean it's taken me a long time and why I was saying it earlier um I had never really had any like traumatic injuries growing up through playing Mm -hmm. softball which like super fortunate for but I think when I had my hip injury in 2016 ish Mm -hmm. it was like the first time I was like you know felt broken and I was just like what do I do now like my body you know you feel like distrust in your body at least this was my experience so I feel like it's taken a long time to like heal and build up that trust again to like feel strong and capable decisions yeah so what we were talking about earlier um where as a kid, when you had to choose between Cedar Point and going to your baseball game, mm-hmm. but now in real life, it's like you got to make a bunch of those. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Sort of thing, just a lot more complex and longer. And absolutely, like no, and I think knowing the right steps to go through. Like mm-hmm. I know when I first got injured, I was you know trying physical therapy and chiropractor and all of these things, trying to figure out like why. Why am I hurting? What's the root of the pain? And then that finally resulted in having surgery. But 
before that, I just felt like I was like going in so many directions, not getting answers. And, um, that kind of like leads you down a dark spiral of just like playing victim. Why me? You feel like this thing you cared so much about was taken away from you. Maybe you just want to lay there and get better and not even try it. Yeah. And, um, then once I finally, yeah, had the surgery, then I started to feel better. And then I think that was kind of like the trend back upward of like, mm. okay, now I realize the importance of recovery, listening to my body when I need to, so that I can make sure that I can do this thing that I love yeah. long term and not right. just. And now, like, injuries are part of the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you really wanted to go back to powerlifting and you went down that road mm-hmm. and you got the same injury again it would take you probably less than half the time to get back to it because you know exactly what to do. Yeah, that's that's why I was saying, like, you're kind of lucky to have had those injuries because, like, I don't know, the most injury, yeah, the, the, like, most complex injury I guess I had growing up playing softball was, like, shin splints. Like, that doesn't even count as an injury. (laughs) It's like, uh, like, yeah, so lucky. There was girls that... You know, they would be backing up a base and a ball was overthrown and they got, like, hit in the face and their yeah. teeth knocked out Oof. or, like, sliding into a base. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Sliding into a base and, like, getting, like, annihilated or whatever. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe part of me is super lucky, but... Well, it's... I mean, it's different. There were different injuries. Like, all the injuries I experienced weren't... They didn't really teach me much about the injuries that I experience now because I'm not really mm. in danger of, like, breaking a bone or yeah. stuff like that. Like, now I'm more worried about, like, the muscle tears and, like, compound fatigue and, mm-hmm. um, you know, more of the serious stuff and the stuff that comes from overuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's a lot of it's brand new. Yeah. Still, it seems. But it also, like... There is a connect, like, right, like, to your mind to, because we've seen the people who aren't athletes where they, Mm. as soon as something hurts, they're like, oh, no, I gotta stop. Yeah. They don't know that that's just an okay pain to have. Right. And, like, ways to make it better immediately, rather than, you know, you get injured and average person would be like, oh, no, go to the doctor. The doctor's like, you need to rest at least eight weeks. Whereas, like, you and I, who have either had injuries or we have had injuries and also have a deeper understanding of our body. It's like we were just discussing the other day a guy in the gym who looked like he tore something and he was like immediately super nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean for my future? And then like (laughs) we just discussed it and he was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And like so relieved because without us being right there and being able to console him, he would have, you know, gone home probably in his head, been like freaking out and then gone to the doctor and been told who knows what, when it's like, really, if he just makes little tweaks to his training, he doesn't have to completely stop training, just maybe do legs or do core to like let that tendon or whatever it was in his arm rest. Yeah. Then he can continue. No, ever. That's never going to fully pop off unless he's really asking for it. Or, yeah. You know, dives into a strength sport really seriously or, yeah. you know, which is asking for it. Exactly. So. <laughs> and that's just like, that sounds like a young and dumb kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. I don't know 
why that would have happened. Yeah, he did say he was rushing through. So the guy we're talking about, he was warming up. Um, he, he was on relaxed a relaxed arms on his deadlift. No, he wasn't deadlifting. He was benching, but he was rushing through his warm up because he had to like get it in on his, on his lunch hour. So I recently actually tore the top of my pec mm. from doing the same. I'm a mat. I'm willing to bet doing the same thing because uh, the reason I did that to myself, or not the reason I did that to myself, but it's connected to the bicep right there. Yeah. When you you know, bench with a contracted scapula rather than a depressed scapula. Yeah. Puts everything right here. Yeah. And it can go at any point. Yeah. I'm willing to bet that's what That happened. sounds, <laughs> yeah, because he literally said, like, oh, I was rushing through, and instead of making, I forget what his typical jumps and weight would be, mm-hmm. but he just jumped up, I think he said 90 pounds, and so it was a, his body wasn't adapted to sure. that. And so he comes down, and then all of a sudden he hears a pop, and then it's it like. It scares you so bad. Yeah, and then he said, like, it was really hard to press up. And I was just like, yeah. ooh, that doesn't sound great. But, like, <laughs> it's definitely, it's not going to put him out for, like, months, maybe weeks, uh, you know, with the... Well, it shouldn't put him out at all, to be honest. Like, yeah. Just, there's so many adjustments that can be made. That's true. To where you're not like, having to hit that at all. Changing know? bench grip or, or you know, I mean, maybe going lighter. Maybe, you know, there's so many different, there's literally infinity infinity different variations you can yeah. modify something as many times as you want right um but also he doesn't have to press that week he can try yep. on other things and maybe pressing overhead would be better or yeah, like rows would still be okay or back work or what's you know for me when i did this i did um i tore it because i didn't have very good lat engagement mm. so i doubled the amount of back workout that I was getting throughout the week, and I put two of those movements before my press work mm. because that's the weak point, so that's what I wanted to prioritize. Yeah. And, um, you know, now I'm three or four weeks later, and it's pain-free, and I'm back to normal. Mm. Um, but, which, you know, that's what we were just talking about about the least amount of time to find the source of the problem, not just putting a band-aid on it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, when with you and I, I think we, we know what our weak points are. We've been training for a while, so if we're in the gym and we do feel like something's not firing right, we know the exercises to make that adjustment, to mm-hmm. strengthen that area, get it to fire, and we're good. Um, I kind of want to jump into coaching and ask like when you're working with a client who doesn't have the best body awareness or proprioception like do you just try and ask the right questions to get them to yeah I try to have them describe it to me okay as best as possible um and then there's a bunch of different exercises that I know of that we can try Mm. um and then at the end of the day, it's their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're, sometimes I'll ask him like, "Are you sure you can't push through?" Because I I know mm-hmm. like I know right, mm-hmm. but I can't tell them they're a paying client. So yeah, um, it's their own journey. <laughs> most of the time, it's like I I have to play the safer call. Mm-hmm. Just just because it's 
right. else. You don't want to put them in a point where they don't believe in themselves and then they hurt themselves. Right. Or and, there, and, you know, there's also a lot of loyalty. Like, there's a lot of clients where if I was like, hey, do this, I don't care how bad it hurts, they'd do it and that mm. would be dumb. Yeah. You know. They have to have like the right progression and to yeah. like not only build the physical strength but the like mental strength and confidence to be able to do right. what you're asking rather than and when you can't even describe to me yeah you know because we can only give you answers if you give us information right? exactly so it's a lot a lot of the time it's i don't get any information and so i'm just like all right well i guess we're shutting it down because mm. i really can't give you a good answer yeah <laughs> no that's why like I love working with more advanced athletes because yeah. they are advanced, so you can, like, go further with them, go and deeper with them. they want reasons, too. Yeah. too. Yeah. But that is definitely, I would say, a challenge as a coach when it's like someone can't really explain to you what they're feeling or, you know, their nutrition isn't going right, but they don't really know nutritionally what works well for them. So it's well, like... They don't even realize sometimes what they should be telling you that yeah. Eating nutritionally or what t- things tie into nutrition that just kind of are out of mind. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so much of it is just like so educating fun. them to yeah. empower themselves to be more in tune with like, well, what makes you feel good when you eat right. and what makes you, your workouts go better and, you know, making sure they're drinking enough water and doing right. their warm ups and recovery and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did you do powerlifting before Strongman? I trained for powerlifting for a long time, but I did not do any Compete? Meets, no. Okay. So, I'm curious, what, what, how'd you get into Strongman? I don't think I know exactly. I was trained, I was signed up for a powerlifting meet. So, like, we've all seen it on ESPN and, mm. like, oh my god, those guys are superheroes. Yeah. Right? That's what I thought anyways. But I was like, that, that shit's ridiculous. I'll never do anything like that. Yeah. And was getting into powerlifting, and then um, Jay just walked into the gym one day with that big smile on his face, and he's just like, uh, "Hey, you want to change directions and do a strongman meet?" And so I like I already paid my meet fee and everything, and yeah. But he showed me the events, and it was just like. You know, something about logs and stones and stuff like that I just thought was so cool. Yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, fuck the powerlifting me, let's do this. And it's, it's it was kind of one of those things where I'll just do this and then I'll go back to powerlifting. But once I got mm. a taste for it, I was like, well, I can't be done with this until I'm good at it. Mm. And so I need to just keep, going. keep doing it and then maybe I'll get to powerlifting one day. And then, then I realized it's a sport that takes... 20 years to get good at. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm fucked. <laughs> so maybe powerlifting when you're 70. I, yeah, I should be out now. <laughs> uh, so you didn't know, like, any of the top names um, in Strongman when you joined Unreal? You kind of just, like, Jay was I, the one that I brought us here? I must have known, like, Brian Shaw and Half Thor. Okay. And those guys. And I knew, like, the older guys, like, uh, Phil Fister, and I, I remember, like, Mark Felix and Zajernus, mm-hmm. uh, Zaviskus were always guys that I liked. Okay. Um, but I just, those guys are so fucking huge. I just never, like, and obviously it's, that's still another level, but. Yeah. There's, it's such a small sport that you, 
I didn't realize there was shows that weren't that level. You know what I, I mean? see. Yeah. So it was like, how do you even begin to get good at that sport? Right. It's like, I just have to train all yeah. my life, and then maybe I'll be able to yeah, compete. Yeah, just be a powerlifter until I'm strong enough to Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny, because, like, I actually didn't know Strongman was a sport until I joined Unreal, so mm-hmm. like, even though it was on ESPN. I... The World's Strongest Man, that's how it started, actually. Actually, you know, now that you say that, I think I do remember, because, like, would they carry logs, or was that They press logs else? normally. I'm sure they've carried logs, They've carry okay. anything but log <laughs> pressing is the main okay. pressing event but how it started it was originally like a circus thing like people doing tricks mm, in the circus yeah but the world's strongest man started as just like a all not all inclusive but like an invite to all different you know nfl players and all different sorts of big strong guys uh around the world like yeah. bodybuilders and stuff like that um so it was, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it wasn't mm. like its own sport. It was just a, a test of all the different sports. Okay, I see. Kind of like a one-off thing that right. people who were strong for other reasons came to compete yeah, in. Yeah, they'd invite all the well-known guys to come in and compete in. And, and then like people actually started to train just for strongman? Yeah, I, as far as I know, it just kind of... Started developing and growing in popularity. Now, yeah. yeah, interesting. Do you even know like what year Strongman like started to get popular? What year would that have been? Um, I think so. I want to say Bill Kazmaier and John Paul Sigmerson and. Um, there's one other guy from England, I forget his name, he was big into throwing, um, Joffrey Caps. Mm. I think it was around their time where it started to get more, like, developed into its own sport. Okay, and, more distinct. Yeah, those huh. guys kind of took it to another level. Okay. Um, I, I want to say that's like mid-70s, early 80s. Okay. So it's still relatively new. Yeah. I mean... It's just strength sports in general. I've had so many conversations with people about just how, like, powerlifting, just because that's my background, like, has grown so mm-hmm. extensively in the last, like, I don't know, less than 10 years. Well, look at both of us took kind of the last two years off. Yeah. And then, you know, when I left, it was like, all right, it'd be cool to have a 700-pound deadlift and a 400-pound stone and mm-hmm. maybe a 350 log and... Um, probably for you it was like a 400 pound squat and deadlift and mm-hmm. uh, now we come back two years later and it's 800 pounds and 400 pounds and you probably have what mid fives yeah literally <laughs> mid fours to five for squat when I was a 72 the best deadlift I had was what like three less than like 315 yeah so it my 500 is dropping all the time yeah it's crazy um so it's it's not only like newer sports strongman and powerlifting but like the rate at which the competition is Mm -hmm. growing is just that's actually one of my favorite things to talk about is 2008 was the first thousand pound deadlift and it was just you know, revolutionized the sport, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's all the time. You pretty much need to have a thousand pound deadlift just to 
contend that world's strongest man. You wow. Know? Um, now there's just, guys under 200 pounds doing it. Wow. It's insane to just, like, people keep, you know. 220, sorry. Like, people keep proving, yeah. like, what's possible. Yeah. You just got to step the game up. that it's grown that <laughs> fast in this short amount of time. Yeah. Says that there's a lot more to come, in my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah, just so much potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Chris Duffin just squatted 1,000 for three reps. Who says someone can't take it for 10? Wow. You know, he only got up to, like, I want to say 280 to 290 pounds body weight. Yeah. So why couldn't someone who's 330 at that mm-hmm. body composition take it for 10 reps? Yeah, because it's just like, you know, you tweak you tweak the right variables like we've talked about. You have the your recovery, nutrition, your stress all lined up. Mm-hmm. You, you know, train appropriately and like genetics play a factor and mm-hmm. like mindset even is such a huge thing. It's like you get all of that to line up and there you go. Like yeah. you're on to something. There's always more to be done. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um so speaking of strong man, what does what is like preparing for those type of type of content Preparing for those type of competitions entail? Like, what's the time frame? Um, How's that kind of structured? So, so the way Strongman works is that you have predetermined weights that you have to hit. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, well, if we need to spend 12 weeks, we need to spend 12 weeks because that's how, for how much growth you need to Mm. have before the show to hit the weights um ideally because my goals are to get my pro card and compete at the top level yeah so in my opinion i need to spend as much time as i can um under the barbell and just doing general development type stuff not getting ready for shows necessarily yeah uh because there's so many events in strongman if you're spending, you know, if you're doing um, two to three shows a year and you need 12 weeks of prep, you're spending 24 to 36 weeks out of the year on events that you may never even do again. Yeah. Because someone made it up because that's the show, right? And that's how Strongman works, right? It's like whoever's putting on the show chooses what events mm-hmm. they want in that show. So yeah. it's not always like the powerlifting. Okay. So there's always an overhead press, a clean and overhead press. There's always a deadlift and there's almost always a stone load or okay. a keg load or stone load, some sort of load to platform or over bar. Gotcha. Um, there's oftentimes, uh, throwing weight over bar. Okay. Um, grip. Hmm. Like a carry. Yeah, carries or oftentimes just just holding. Oh, okay. Uh, and mo- moving in one way or another, moving a heavy object from, you know, whether For it's around a turn or, or just straight straight away. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can always guarantee pressing, deadlifting, loading, grip, and moving. So you're basically like training all of those types of movement patterns, if you will. And instead of being like sport specific or like show specific, right. you know, at different times of the year, just building 
your general fitness so that, as we kind of discussed the other day, and for listeners, you're actually in a show prep, would you say? Or Say that one more time. Are you, like, prepping for a show right now? I am not prepping for a show. Okay. No. I thought you were, like, getting ready for some kind of qualifier. I'm trying to do a qualifier, which is just uh, max deadlift from the floor and max log press. Okay. Um, but what I'm doing now would be completely different what I'm doing if I was getting ready for a full five event show. Gotcha. Um, is that what you want to know about? Like how to get ready for a full show or? Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I was asking about like the full show, but then I was kind of like trying to tie that into what your current, what you currently have going on, which I thought was going to be full. Honestly doesn't relate. It's honestly a lot more powerlifting tapering Mm. what I'm doing right now. Okay. Um, uh, with getting ready for a strongman show, you actually want to utilize linear progression Mm. quite a bit because, um, so even, even though I know most of the shows that I go into, um, when I'm, you know, in that 12 to eight weeks out where I have to decide what the plan is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm strong enough to hit all my weights, mm-hmm. but am I strong enough to hit them all in the same day and uh, in 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 any given order and um, have enough energy in the tank from one to the next mm-hmm. to put on my best show? Yeah. Probably fucking not because it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of work capacity. So you start with these weights at like 50% of what the show weight asks for, which is stupid light. Like the first two weeks of this training, you you feel like you're doing nothing. It almost mm. feels silly to carry, you know, a 100-pound yeah. keg. It's like not hard. But accumulating that movement pattern in your body and your mind mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again gets you to the point where it feels like nothing on contest day mm. um, because you you took that time to take that step back and progress up with it along with the other ones. I see. Um, and then, in my opinion, you try to keep the deadlifting and the... Uh, well, it depends, because like there's one show coming up in Michigan that has two pressing events. Mm. So that one you need to prioritize pressing and triceps yeah. a lot more than another show. Right. right. So it'll kind of depend show to show mm-hmm. what's the best way to prepare. And what is the press? Like... I did a lot of Olympic lifting style um, lifts to prepare for a circus dumbbell, but I'm going to do a lot of bodybuilding movements or power building type movements mm. if I'm getting ready for a Viking press, because that's all triceps. I see. Okay. Whereas circus dumbbell is more it's like your back? It's a throw and a catch. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's no strictness to it. Okay. What about like when you're... Uh, let's just say like 12 weeks out, like you were saying from a show, do you like really try to dial in your nutrition for strongman and Mm. like line up all those other variables? Um, so I always heard, this is what I was taught early on was that a good strongman can put on a 20 to 30 pound bloat in 12 to eight weeks out from a show. Mm. Obviously that's a ton of water retention and carbs, right? It's called bloat. Um, but in my opinion, that helps you perform, and it helps you, uh, it's temporary, it's easily stripped off, mm-hmm. um, but it 
kind of helps you with all these moving events and the recovery on the on the day of and when you mm. start getting closer to the meeting, how much volume you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, dialing in nutrition is, in my opinion, is like uh, dependent on the goal, right? So like yeah, my nutrition is going to look a lot. My nutrition doesn't look like nutrition to a bodybuilder. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean I eat, like, dirty and everything, but I just have a lot more wiggle room. Gotcha. With what I'm doing. Yeah. It also depends on if we're cutting weight. Yeah. Do you feel like, so when you've prepped for shows, you've put on the extra, I forget how much weight you said. 20 to 30 is ideal. Is that, so you typically do that for each show? Yeah. And do you feel like, because I, for instance... To be fair, I do spend a period of time coming down and preparing my body to be able to take on that. The extra. So it's it's down and then back up. Because I was curious with powerlifting, typically they say you want to try and train at the weight that you're going to compete at. So it's not like shocking on meet day, all of a sudden you're... You know, you, obviously, like, doing a water cut before a meet can, like, really shock your system, and it can be, um, I guess, mentally draining, mm-hmm. but is it hard to, you know, over time gain weight for, the strong, like, the strongman bloat and change your body composition and all that, or does it feel it, kind of... It was hard to get my body to the point where I could do that, but now that I know how to do that, it's actually very easy. Mm. Um and I'm sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's like when the more you practice doing something, the better you get at it. And so it kind of, right. you and know what to expect and how your body responds maybe. Well, the other thing is, is my goal is to be competitive in the open weight class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 275 to 300 pounds for how I'm built is optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started this, I was having to stuff myself and do that bloat just to get to 242. Mm. So um, now that I'm at the point where my lowest weight is like 260, mm. you know, I we were kind of talking about this the other day about how I just put carbs around training. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my gauge is that when I have the lowest amount of carbs throughout the day, um, that's where I'm at right before I start show prep so I can start ramping the carbs up, which will ramp the water weight. Oh, I see. Okay. So now I try to go into show prep around 260 to 270 so that I can bloat up to 290. And um, with with doing strongman, there's so much conditioning involved that it's like, just give me more weight. Gotcha. it's, It's fine. Okay. I see. Interesting. Um, and you're sweating and depleting yourself so fucking much. Yeah. On day that it's just like. Yeah. You know. Well, strongman training. I mean, I've never really done it myself. I've done like farmers carries, just one off, and mm-hmm. stones one off, just to, you know, go through the movement patterns. Not for any particular show, but it's intense. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's heavy weight. It's um, 
like big movements. You're doing long carries with a lot of weight in each hand, or you're and lifting. And you've just trained your overhead press and your squat and your deadlift that week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's taxing in itself. And then, like, even on show day, you're doing all of these big events back mm-hmm. to back to back. Like, that's definitely tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, um, you have to be able to do them in any given order. Mm-hmm. Never once have I gone to a show where the order of the events that's listed on the, online is how we actually compete. Really? And that makes a huge difference because when you have a max deadlift, you know that that fries the fuck out of your CMS. CMS, yeah. And if that's your second or third event, like, you better be in shape. Oh, dang. Yeah, that's a really good and point. you have better brought your food and... And, you know. like, I don't know about you, but I like to, like, know the order, and so I think that would kind of fuck with my head you mentally. Like yeah, sure. like, if I get there and they're like, oh, you're going to deadlift first, and I was yeah. supposed to do it last, I'd be like, give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good, like, you need to be able to adapt like that mm-hmm. as an athlete rather than, you know, trying to have everything set in stone. Right. That's strong is strong, right? Yeah. So that, in my opinion, is a very big... That's what appeals to me over powerlifting, Olympic lifting. Not that those don't appeal to me. Yeah. I do intend on diving into those one day. Yeah. But the thing I really attracts me about strongman is that... If, sorry... Get fucked. Get stronger. Mm. This is the implement today. I don't mm-hmm. care what bar you trained in. I don't care what bar we told you. I yeah. don't care what height deadlift we told you. Pull. <laughs> That's one thing about um, powerlifting. It's very, like... Standardized. Yeah, and kind of like, I don't want to say snobby, but it's like, oh, I really need to pull on my power I people complain about bar. shit, and it's like... You don't know the fucking half of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a powerlifting meet I attended, and it was outside. And mm. typically, powerlifting meets are inside because you have heavy weight on your back. So, like, if you sweat and it slid off, I don't know. Just, like, little things for safety reasons, they typically will have them inside. And this one, they were like, oh, let's do it outside to switch yeah. things up. And, like, everyone at the meet was complaining. I mean, I didn't. I was just there as, like, a coach slash spectator. Yeah. But... I remember been in enough athletic situations where you're like, yeah, you have to like block that out. Right. That's that, that stuff like pumps me up on game days. Like, Oh, you want, you want a fucking game? Let's game. Like adversity. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I remember like softball games growing up were tournaments, I should say. And you know, you, if you're in the winner's bracket for something, you have like one game and then you win, you you don't play it until the next day. So you get all that rest. But like, you know, you play your first game, and then something happens in the game, adversity, and you end up losing, and it's like, damn, we weren't supposed to lose. Like, we right. were so much better than this team. But then you go into the loser's bracket, have to fight your way out. Yep. Then you, like... Back up to third. Yeah, and then yep. you have to, like, play and get exhausted all day and like, the hot Knowing sun. Knowing that you lost. It, yeah, no. It's, yeah, it's a fight, but it's, exactly like... exactly how wrestling brackets are. Yeah. Just like that. And so it makes you dig deeper in a way because it's mm-hmm. like, well, I still want to, you know, have, um, what do you call it? Like the team that beat you in the first place. I want to see them again in the winter yeah. or in the final bracket yeah. to like show them we were supposed to beat you originally. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in the long run, taking third is the tougher route. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> play the most games. Yes. Take the biggest beatings. Yeah. 
But then it almost makes you bigger. And you, you in play the through end. that. You play through that blood round where no one gives a fuck, and mm-hmm. they're just there to beat everybody up. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. Did you have any superstitions, like as an athlete so and like wrestling or strongman? Yeah. Like, like what are some of yours? I can't, as a strongman, no. I try to I, I relax on a lot of that stuff because it mm. causes me a lot of anxiety, and I think it's done now. Okay. But like. Man, everything from the words that I'd say to myself in my head to the way I'd lace up my shoes to, like, which socks I was wearing to which yeah. underwear I was wearing. Every fucking yeah. thing in my body was, it's was so a superstition, funny. yeah. I did I did that with the socks. I remember, like, if, we, if I knew I put this sock on first and then this yep. one and we won the game, I was like, I'm wearing those yep, same see? socks. That's the order we got to do. Like... Yep. <laughs> Yep. It's so funny. And then I'd, I'd literally, like, this wasn't like a huge common thing, but I remember times where I'd get up in my head, I'd step out and shake the guy's hand and get ready to go, and I'd be like, shit, I didn't lace him up correctly. <laughs> and, like, I lost that match. And oh, because you were... Who knows if I would have won or not if I yeah. was focusing on... On the actual match. Yeah. Not like... Oh. Oh, I messed up the superstition. That's the well, I now I'm. Right now. <laughs> yeah, now we're obviously not gonna win. Right. Yeah, that's so true. I remember. Oh, this this sticks out in my head. Um, it was the, it was my sophomore year. And it was the conference championships, and um, I was not picked to win. I was seated like third throughout the entire time, and I had something to prove, and I really fucking wanted to win this tournament. Okay. And. Um, the kid that was seated first, he was a senior. He was really, really tough. He was ranked. To, he, he had been to state before, which is something I hadn't done yet, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I beat him the week before, and that won us the team duel. It was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I was riding a huge wave of confidence going to this tournament. Beat my first two guys. I have him in the finals. And he kept trying to play buddy-buddy with me off the mat, and he gave me this look. And we walked out of the mat, and he was like, I don't want to be here. Like, that sort of thing. Oh. In my mind, I relaxed a little bit. I was like, cool, it's going to be an easy win. I got mm-hmm. this. He doesn't even want this. I'm going to blow him away. Mm-hmm. As soon as the whistle blows, he came at me as hard as he possibly could. Whoa. Blew me onto my heels, and I was just like. So he was trying to get in your head and, like, fake you out, now, you think? Now looking back at, well, it doesn't matter what he was trying to do. I let it. I yeah, let do it. you let it get to you. Yeah, I relaxed, oh, wow. and I was like, so I took second at that tournament, oh, and dang. it was it was so frustrating because the match before, yeah, it won it for the team, but it was one of those matches that went into overtime, and it was, mm. we were both bleeding, and everything okay. was really intense, and, yeah. and then that match, I just got beat right out of the gate, Wow. and it was just like, that was the one that actually mattered to me, and... Yeah. That I, I've never forgotten about that every wow. competition I've gone into. That's a huge lesson mm-hmm. then for sure. Just like You don't let up. Yeah, don't don't back down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. If he wants to give you that look you you fucking Yeah bury him even harder. Exactly. But yeah, no that <laughs> that makes me mad to talk about a little bit. Isn't it funny <laughs> how like and maybe they don't even intentionally do it, but like it's how you react. Like I remember in softball uh, especially coaching, but I remember going through it as a as a player too. Like the girl on the mound pitching would be like 
after she pitched, she would, like, laugh or smile. And, like, she was probably just having a good time. But, like, it would annoy people in the dugout, like, as a player, too. It's like, what is what she, she laughing? Yeah, what is she laughing about? Yeah. Why is she, what is she doing? And you kind of let it get to you when you're up to bat and you're just, like, you get irritated by it for some reason. And then I remember hearing that as a coach, too. And the players would be, you know, letting it get to them. And I'm like, whether she's doing it or not, you're letting it affect oh, isn't you. It's so funny. Yeah. To see the things that you got worked up about mm-hmm. in the players, and you're just like, you were so dumb. I can't believe you ever got worked up about I that. I know, yeah. You see yourself reflected in them, and it's like, you try and tell them, like, you know, relax, just do your own thing. But and then I think, like, oh, you know what? I was told that a million times, mm. and I didn't. Like, <laughs> you just, you have to learn on your own. <coughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, I don't know. Coaching is interesting, because you see the game from a whole new perspective. And you have to explain it. Mm-hmm. You never had to explain things you had like that before. You were just experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I felt like I was worried when I started coaching wrestling, because I was like, I, re- I had a sudden realization, like, I've never talked through any of these text- techniques before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I even remember them. Yeah. And it took me a couple days, but as I started moving and putting my words with it out, it just came out and it was super easy. Naturally. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like you know it intuitively. Right. It's just being able to, like, slow down and yeah. speak to it and mm-hmm. trust that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's hard, too, you know, when you've got a bunch of kids looking at you with that dumb look that they have on their face. They're like, this guy like, knows the answer, so like, I'm going to wait. Are they assholes? Are they good kids? Are they, yeah. are they respecting me? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what was it like working with, with high school students? Because that's what you coached, right? High school wrestling? Yeah. Yeah? It's, it's just funny. Like, they're all so different, but all so the same, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Um... Uh, I guess in what regards do you mean? What part about it? I guess I I feel like emotional maturity because when I was in high school as a player, I thought I was, you know, you know it all. Right. It's really hard to have those conversations with some of those kids because the stuff that they get worked up about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, to me it's so obvious to not get worked up about that that I can't, explain to them why they shouldn't right because they're so stuck on it because it's so like simple and small and yeah um but i do love like the i do love the simplicity of it and i love how silly they are Mm. and like like i get tired of working with adults Mm. a lot of times and um because like i you know i like that dumb humor and i like laughing and stuff yeah I can get as silly as I want with high schoolers. They can be, like, little brothers in a way, or maybe not even little brothers, but, like, brothers, you have that, like... The psychological things that you can say to them that you can't say to a grown adult, like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, that sucked, why don't you try it again, and... Mm -hmm. Whereas someone, an adult, might get, like, a little upset by that. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, working with, I guess, I don't know if... I was just going to say, working with college athletes, I I don't want to say give them more credit than they deserve, but, like, 
in my mind when I think college, I just think, like, okay, they're out on their own. They're ready to, like, take on the world. But, like... They're still kids. Yeah, they're still so young. They're, like, 18, 19. And I guess, like, as an adult, I forgot that at 18, 19, I was still, like... I mean, yeah, like still figuring it out. And so like sometimes I'm like, you know this, come on, like, you know this. And they're like staring at me like, no, I don't. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, okay, I do need to teach you that. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes they're sometimes emotionally they are more mature in some ways. And then other times they're not. And that's okay. It's Mm -hmm. like we all got to learn. For sure. And it's it does give you a little bit more pride and like, um, Accountability, I guess, like drive to yeah do a good job because Set you're playing a role in their development. And yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot more important. Absolutely. Yeah, like the and then you really see like the influence that you have. Whereas before, mm-hmm. it's like, no, oh, they already know everything. Like I don't really right. need to teach them much. And then you're like, oh wait, maybe I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, one of the questions that came up. So I asked on Instagram, like do people have questions about, you know, Taylor, what we're going to talk about? And someone was saying, how did you make the transition from like high school, college athlete to like, what do I do once that is done? And I know that's something like I personally went through too. It's like you play sports your whole life and then you get done in college and you're like, whoa, like this is, this is everything I used to do with my time. Now what? And it's like you try to fill that, so... Yeah. Yeah. You... And this goes way beyond sports. Yeah. But you have to be enough... You have to be your own person. You have to be Courtney. I have to be Taylor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a strong man. I'm not a power lifter. Mm. I'm not a wrestler. I'm Taylor. Yeah. And um, the way that I got pulled aside by this guy who... He was a father of a one of my teammates and this is when I was getting into the lifting and getting away from the wrestling and I was uh, very angry and lifting out of emotion and mm. I was having somewhat of an identity crisis just like you're talking about yeah. like, where, do I, where do I go from here right, right. Um, and he pulled me aside and he said you know uh, just to make it simple just like just here's what you do when you because no one's perfect so don't don't pick anyone and say, I want to be exactly like that person because like they're not idolize. really perfect. So, but pick one thing about their character that you really like mm. and try to implement that for yourself and try to set that as a goal to be like that. Mm. And try to um, structure and have this idea of like, what is it that the ultimate, right? Just like I'm an athlete, in my, in my head, I'm picturing the 330-pound motherfucker that's competing at World's Strongest Man. Yeah. That's the ultimate form. I also have a picture in my head of who I want myself to look like as a person, how Mm. I want myself to interact with people, Mm. how I want people to view me. Mm -hmm. Um, That can't ever be done just like being an athlete can never be done. You always have to try to better yourself in that respect too. And yeah, I, I think it comes down to being a person and not athlete yeah it's like it's definitely hard when you don't have you know 
a specific activity to allocate all of your time to, like Mm -hmm. you did with your sport. But I think that's a good point of, like, you know, find um, like-minded people to surround yourself with Mm -hmm. that are into new hobbies that you find. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. It doesn't ever end. Yeah. It doesn't ever end. These, These last seven days I'm trying to get ready for this pro show qualifier Mm -hmm. and I'm getting so focused on a deadlift and a log press Mm. and thinking of myself as a strong man and the ultimate goal and these last two years I've been so good at being patient now I'm just like yeah going back to the old ways you know what I mean I see and um so you you get better at it just like with the injury thing but you always have to remind yourself that Hey, remember, you have purpose beyond being an athlete Yeah. and lifting a fucking deadlift bar, you know? That's so true. And I think, like, I kind of fell into that trap after college of, like, I didn't know what to do. And so, naturally, I found some other competitive thing mm-hmm. I could preoccupy myself with, got into powerlifting. And, you know, it wasn't softball anymore, but then I did definitely identify with that sport, which... It's okay to have a sport that you really enjoy and you want to get better at. It's an easy band-aid after college, right? Yeah, but then just as you're saying, like, focus on the growth of your character and more than just the sport because, Mm -hmm. like, that's how you're going to interact with people day to day and the impression that you'll make on them rather than just talking about, like, hey, I hit this PR today. And they're like, oh, that's all that. In in my opinion, and... From experience from the, the strongest people that I've talked to, mm-hmm. they have the best developed characters, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that they go hand in hand because, as you know, there comes times in the weight room when you get to a certain level where you have to swallow your pride, you have yeah. to develop your character, yep. just just to break that ten pound barrier. You yeah, know? Um, totally. So I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, I forget. And that's what the training lifestyle is all about. <laughs> <laughs> plug for that, listen to this. for Taylor's podcast <laughs> on YouTube yes. with Ben Pollock and Dakota Carlson. Yep. Yes. Uh, no, that's so true. I forget who I was having a conversation with the other day, and we were talking about, like, to get better at, you know, whatever specific thing you're trying to grow at, you also need to have, like, you can't be a generalist and try and spread your energy and time so thin because mm-hmm. you're going to make no forward progress in anything. Right. But if you do want to get better at this one thing, you do need some sort of balance to, like, see slow progress in all of them rather right. than trying to do a million things at once and just getting nowhere. Right. I forget who I was talking to. But, yeah, they also said something along the lines of, like, the people who are the most successful are also, like, the most grounded and, like, humble people. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is how they've achieved that I success. Mean, yeah, it's just, like, I definitely feel like being rooted in who you are is, like, allows you to grow in the opposite direction, too. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely believe in that. And, you know, you know, it's so easy um, with powerlifting, especially uh, because there's so many federations, so many weight classes, so many ways to set records and mm-hmm. be the best. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's and with muscle building, ego is very big. Prevalent. And it's an easy <laughs> place to flaunt your ego. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's 
so fucking clear that this, again, the strongest guys I've met, they don't have those egos. Mm. And it's so obvious on meet day. It's so obvious in the gym. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are willing to talk to you. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Don't have a stick up their butt. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, like, specific influences that have really influenced your coaching style? My coaching style? Um... Um, or like books you've read or I'm just thinking like you know if someone listening to this wants to like deepen their knowledge of strongman or powerlifting or or lifting like what has been most impressionable on you that you're like you either need to read this or look up this guy's or girl's teachings or hmm. I gotta be honest most of my experience and learning has come from being fortunate enough to be around good training partners and good coaches. Mm-hmm. But, Just um, in the field. Who they are. Right? Okay. But, um, okay, here's a good one. Steve Frazier was uh, Olympic gold medalist in the Greco-Roman team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's upper body wrestling. Okay. Um, and he is, I believe he still is, but for a really long time at least he was our head coach for the Greco team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote a book called Winning, and uh, I don't remember the whole book, but one thing that I remember super clearly is that um, he didn't like to set uh, like super defined goals because he felt that he proved to himself that he was a champion and that he wanted the highest level anyways like he already proved that by showing up to train and Mm -hmm. doing everything right Mm -hmm. so he didn't like to set goals because it would limit himself and he just wanted to Mm. be the best that he could be and not really set a limit like no ceiling yeah just like continual progression he did say that he realizes that that is a little dangerous and you really have to have that drive to kind of not have that definite goal at the end right yeah um so the recommendation was uh, to shoot just so ridiculously high that when you miss, you're still just so high, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he talked a lot about um, mentality for game day preparation. Obviously, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. If you're at the Olympic level, that mentality is mm-hmm. there's something to learn from mm-hmm. there, right? But that was, that was my favorite book that I've read multiple times, and it a lot of the lessons really, really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you know, you go through mm-hmm. things in life, maybe you face, like, battles or whatever, and then you come back to that book, and I, I just love the fact that you can see things in a different way every mm-hmm. time you read a book because you're different and, like, the words yeah. hit different, kind of. <laughs> and I remember the cover, the cover too, like, as a little kid, right, but he's holding up the American flag after he won his gold and oh, says he's massive triceps and biceps <laughs> and I was just like oh, that's, yes. that's awesome <laughs> jacked kid that's awesome um another question that we got was how do you get ready for powerlifting meet and this is someone who has no strength training background okay. so what advice would you give to them that's a pretty broad question yeah we could go we, we could sit here and describe the whole program right and diet to you um I would say if you don't have any experience, pick a program. Um, 
I, I'm a fan of 531. Um, the Cube is pretty popular and works pretty well for people who are just starting out. Mm-hmm. But pick some sort of program. Um, you know, don't stress yourself out about diet. Don't cut weight for this meat. Um, just get experience with sticking to a full program. Yeah. Sticking 80% to a, a diet. When I say diet, I mean just regular good habits, not anything ridiculous or you know too out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. um or don't even change it if you're happy with the way you look don't even change it Mm -hmm. implement the powerlifting stuff and see what happens do it as an experiment yeah um powerlifting and all strength sports is uh if you want to be good at is a lifetime thing it's a marathon sport right (laughs) so um think about the second third and fourth mate and learning from this first mate and how to make the second one better than the first Mm. um but yeah, keep it really simple and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Pick your first attempts super light and get into that fucking meat. <laughs> so you yeah. can finish. Try to go nine for nine. Definitely. Yeah. That's really good advice. I think like the biggest thing is building confidence with mm-hmm. the first meat and just like having that, that first squat over and yes, yeah. getting the jitters out of the system. Definitely not cutting weight because that's. I mean, it's some people can, variable. yeah, right. some people can diet easy, but like, you might as well not. <laughs> yeah, powerlifting, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't understand cutting weight unless you're, unless you're going for a record. Yeah. Or, you know. Right. Your first mate, you probably don't have a ton of muscle mass on you anyways, so you're probably two to three, maybe four weight classes away from where you would be if you were fully and powerlifting shape and fully developed. Right. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, kind of what you said, like 531 in the cube, just like a linear progression. Yeah, you can even run 5 by 5 or... Yeah, just to build up... um, Build up discipline almost, because I think a lot of people just have trouble with, like, sticking to one thing, which is why programs are so nice. It's so so simple and kind of honestly fairly easy to add weight to the bar just in general. Yeah. So once you do one 12-week program and a meet, you've got a good 12 to 14 weeks of reference, and you can be like, oh, you know, let's change this movement. This this exercise would work better for my squat maybe, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, and... Or just do it again mm-hmm. and see if it worked. And if it worked, you know, if it's not broken, don't change it, right? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, the goal, my programming right now is the simplest it's ever been and has the least amount of changes happening to it. And that's that's my goal. I don't want to, like, have to run program after program. Mm-hmm. I want to find what works for me mm-hmm. and let's run with that. And, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Maybe making subtle tweaks here and Mm -hmm. there. But, like, the deeper you understand yourself and what you root, like, if you respond well to volume or intensity Mm -hmm. or certain exercises you feel more than others, like, that's the level you want to get to because that's when you really start making progress and feeling, like, the effects and all of that. Right. Um, On the topic of coaching, you've coached for, like – I don't know exactly how many years now. Six. Okay, so what do you? I know you 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 don't like shun anyone away, obviously. No. But is there like a favorite type of client or athlete you would say you mm. like to work with? 
my favoritism comes from my clients' problems. Hmm. Like, whatever they got going on that causes them to Struggle. need to be in the gym and more mentally, that's, I wouldn't even say favorites, but, um, um, yeah, I have, I have a soft spot for people who have a little bit of, you know, darkness inside of them that they need to let out in the weight room and, okay. um, uh, just because that's where I came from, hmm. I guess. So you like resonate with that. Yeah. Well, okay. it's, again, it's not a favorite, like, yeah, I have so much fun with all my clients. And I think that's the most rewarding part of coaching. Kind of, I think what you're getting at is just like, you know, someone comes in and they, they say they want to get strong, but like the deeper issue might be like they lack confidence or something. Yeah. So it's like helping them overcome those hurdles of just building confidence, feeling empowered to go out, be a better human in the world. It's like seeing that client journey is yeah. just so rewarding. You know, I, I will say like, as much as I love seeing someone's face explode with blood and them getting a death <laughs> of PR and you know, that whole side of it, my favorite day above any day by far of coaching was I had three ladies that I took to a powerlifting meet. Mm-hmm. No one lifted over 300 pounds mm-hmm. and it was just, you know, no one has ever even been an athlete. It was just, mm. you know, we're just cackling and laughing in the warm-up room. And, yeah. You know, just like, um, but I like that because I don't have to be like, listen, motherfucker, you go lift this yeah. weight. They just, like, want to be hugged and share their cookies that they brought and Aww. just have me be there and That's tell them so that they awesome. can do it. And, right. But all the reason it was so special is because I had worked with them, all of them, for two to three years. Mm-hmm. And... It took me at least a year to be to even be able to mention a powerlifting meet for them to not be like, oh my god, I would never do that. Yeah. So for them to think for it's them to be reasonable. in singlets, sitting there laughing, not even worried about being Aww. in singlets. Yeah. You know, it's it was. That's a huge just such deal. A fun day, yeah. Yeah, and kind of going back to the start of the podcast, talking about how in wrestling, like you're kind of vulnerable and exposed. Powerlifting can be the same way. Some people, they, you know, they're, they don't have, like, body image um, struggles, so mm-hmm. they don't mind getting in the singlet. But for a lot of people, that can definitely That's be a, a, big deal. a detriment yeah. and be like, I don't want to compete. No that one's was, gonna... like, I had, I'm not going to say any names, but, like, I, I've had people crying before the meet because uh, they didn't want to wear the singlet. Yeah. But afterwards, they were, like, they didn't give a shit what was on the bar. They were proud that they did the meet. Yeah. And, yeah. That's a huge... You know, a huge win. So Absolutely. that's way cooler than. Yeah. Because you, know, you, and actually, one of my coaches told me this. Um, someone who is a serious athlete, someone who really, really wants it, you honestly don't have to do that much work as a coach. Because mm. they're going to fucking do it. It doesn't yeah. matter what's on the plate. That's a good um, point. But getting, you know, just an average dude, a 500 pound squat, is, with no athletic background, is. A bigger feat as a coach yeah because there's a lot more mentally that went into that you know what I mean that's a really good point and something I've dealt with um coaching it's like if you you come into a school setting and if the team's already like known as having national um right. championships every year you walk into like a winning team and then you're like 
taking ownership of that and you're just like, oh yeah, I like feel good about myself because I work at this or I'm associated with this team that just, you know, they already have that impression. But to come to a program where they, you know, there's this huge progression that needs to happen to get this team to work together in chemistry and like, you know, even make it to regionals or something like that takes way more effort as a coach because you have to like change the mindset of yeah. all the players and instill that, culture. A losing mindset. Yeah. You literally have players walking off like, see, told you so, told you that was going to happen. Yeah. Or like, oh, I guess I'm going to go out and get pinned again because mm-hmm. we're wrestling Lowell or Rockford or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, it's so frustrating because that's something I've never had experience with. Oh, really? That like, that losing mentality, I've never, I cannot resonate with that, even to the slightest. Oh, like you've never personally right. had that, okay, I see what you're saying. So, I thought you meant you've never coached no, that type no, of. No, I've coached that a ton, but it's yeah. very hard for me to coach because I do not get it in the mm-hmm. slightest. <laughs> I hear you. It's like, and you, I don't, I don't feel like it's really, like, how, I don't know if you can coach it, like. It's hard, you could, like. I've spent the whole season working on kids with this, and it almost seems to get worse, where it's just like, Mm. okay, I guess you don't want to win. Fine. Yeah, it can almost feel like you're trying to force them into something that they don't really want. So it's like you you will have those players who want it, and it's kind of like what we were discussing earlier. They get frustrated because they'll be, like, annoyed that (laughs) the ones that do want it so bad – are like busting their ass, mm-hmm. but then there's like some that are just not playing up to that level or yeah, pushing themselves. Uh, and honestly, that's the kind of room that I've had experience with where it's not like a full losing mentality and it's not a full winning mentality. Mm-hmm. It's got, you've got some champions and you've got some less like, than that. <laughs> <laughs> Without saying it harshly, but, um, but it's, so it's hard to coach because it's like, you're literally yelling one thing and then, yeah, another thing. And yeah, I guess like. You only listen to half of it, so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I've, I, I, so I've sort of figured out how to help the situation. Yeah. I definitely don't have it one hundred percent down because I don't think any coach out there does. But I think just like really trying to feed off the players who want to win yeah. that energy mm-hmm. and like. Not so much rewarding it, but like encouraging it. Yeah, giving giving them more responsibility and so that they lead the way. And then it's like when the other players who aren't living up to that ideal see those players being passed more responsibility and kind of positive reinforcement, then they're like, oh, if I you know want to have that positive attention from the coach, I need to. Put forth That's effort a too. really, really good point because as, as shitty as all, not as shitty as all, but as shitty as high schoolers can get, mm. um, the worst of them still want your approval, right? Yeah. So you can kind of yes. easily manipulate them with that. By know. like who you give your That's attention really and focus point. to. That's a really good point. I've seen that work before and it's... The only thing I, I had a... But it can be dangerous, right? You yeah. Too much too much attention to that kid and... Because then you don't know how every player will respond. So right. some people will see that and think, I need to work harder so that I get more, you know, 
positive feedback and others will get bitter and other people will see that and be like, why are they getting all that attention? They Mm -hmm. must be the favorite. And like it kind of makes other people just like shut down and not want to work because they're just like, I'm fed up with the program or you can't explain You can't tell them like, Hey, this is what I'm doing to try to manipulate the team. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to make the team better. They're just, let me play with your head. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coaching is, is tough. Do you have preference to coaching in a team setting versus one-on-one or do you have pros and cons Um, to each? I like, yeah, there's different reasons I like both. Mm. They're so different. Um, yeah. I would say, like, for my quality of life, I like the one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just scheduling and, you know, pays better. And mm-hmm. just for, like, my own mental sake, I'm not getting nearly as emotionally invested yeah. as the team stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I've got two different experiences with team coaching. One where I'm kind of the coach that has to keep everyone in line mm-hmm. and be that guy. Yeah. Which I don't like being at all. Mm. The other one was um, the guy who was there to be the nice coach to say, hey, it's all right. Yeah. After that coach got done yelling at right. him. Right. He can I be the bad guy. I that guy way better. Yeah. And that's a lot more one-on-one coaching because mm. I'm just training with them, and then I'm also just, like, behind the scenes getting their minds right yeah. in a positive way to go out onto the mat. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, it caused me to revert to a lot of my angry ways and uh, affected my personal life a lot, yeah. trying to coach in that manner, and I don't agree with it, nor do I wish to be put in that position. Yeah, teaching or coaching in a team setting is a whole different dynamic than one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um there's, like you said, so much more, such a bigger time commitment. And for me, what I've experienced is just like, I kind—I just hate the fact that I feel like I'm jipping players because I don't get to work with all of them one-on-one, right. you know? So it's you like so much to offer, but you don't, you only get to cover 5% of it when you're doing team stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah. I feel that way. And yeah, no, that's, that's tough with teams. It's like, you, you know, it's, yeah, it's good in a way because you can have a bigger influence with this whole program. But then it's like, man, if I could just work with you, like we could really develop you. So it's a struggle. And it's hard when you're a powerlifter. And when we have this much experience in the weight room, we know what exactly the squats need to look like. Yeah. And when you've got a weight room full of 30 people, you're never going to get them all to look how they exactly how they should. That's a good point. And the fact that, you know, you come from powerlifting strongman background, I come from more powerlifting background, but then going into a weight room with a team that's specific to a sport, you're, this was one of my mistakes, I came at it from the perspective of, like, you need to get strong like a powerlifter to be good at your sport, when it's like, no, they just need to be good at their sport and use... The barbell's just a tool to help them get better at their sport, whatever needs to be done with it. Yeah, exactly. So lessons learned on my end (laughs) (laughs) um anything else you want to share that like maybe you've struggled with either as an athlete or a coach that you feel like could really help out other athletes or coaches 
that we mm. haven't touched on. I think we shared a lot of good information. Parents are the worst. That's why that's <laughs> the main reason I don't like doing team stuff. Yeah. Because that's I cannot so funny. stand the way a lot of those parents parent. <laughs> that's exactly, you know, Seth Holton. Yep. We had a podcast. Seth was my first client. Oh, yeah. That's right. That, but, yeah. Yeah. I've been with him for six years now. Nice. Five years. That's awesome. Yeah. As a power lifter, right? Um, well, power. Baseball powerball player. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said powerlifter. I guess back and forth between baseball shape and powerlifting shape. Yeah, I think I said that because I see him always lifting like super heavy weights in the gym. But he's competed twice now in powerlifting. Oh, has he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, we've done. Okay, maybe that's why that came to mind. But that's funny that you said parents because I asked him a question because he was on my podcast a few episodes oh, we back bitch about parents a lot. yeah he said parents he's like oh what do I not like about parents and I was like oh I wasn't gonna say that but and then we went oh, down the rabbit hole yeah, <laughs> yeah he was just like oh no. yeah they can be a struggle um okay if anyone wanted to reach out to you about coaching how could they get a hold of you um my Instagram is taylorgone underscore Okay. Yeah, I can link um, yeah. your Insta in the show notes, and then cool. people can get a hold of you there, and then you can, like, exchange other information. Sweet. Well, Thank thanks. You. Yeah, thanks for being on. It was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you show your support by leaving a review or sharing it out with friends and family who may also benefit from the episode as well. Our goal with this podcast is to share knowledge to create a physically, mentally, and emotionally stronger version of you. So if that resonates with you, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. See you next time.